Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting theology to work in our everyday lives. My name is Mike Knox, and I'm joined once again by longtime past, I mean, podcaster, Matthew Kane. Matthew, what are you teaching us from the scriptures today? Today, we are going to talk about the marks of a mentor. We're going to consider a scriptural paradigm for what makes a good mentor. And the scripture we're looking to see these marks of a mentor is Philippians 3. And I know that chapter doesn't use the word mentor explicitly. I don't think any passage of scripture uses that exact word. But the word it does use is example. And Mike, I presume you have had some good Christian examples in your life, some mentors who have helped to shape the course of your life? Yes, I have. And I'm so thankful for them. Because honestly, I probably wouldn't be walking with the Lord today if it weren't for those people who have helped me show me what it means to to walk as a Christian. Absolutely. A key way in which all of us learn is by seeing and following examples. And we all have life examples that are influencing us. The question is, whose example are we following? Who do we want to imitate? What type of mentor are we looking for? Yeah, I suppose it's almost automatic that to some degree, we're going to be imitating someone, aren't we? Uh, we become who we look at, right? We we look like who we look up to. Yeah, good point. Because examples are such powerful teaching tools. And there are good Christian examples who can help us to follow Christ more closely. And there are some other people in our lives whose pattern of living is going to be a negative influence on us. So think carefully about whose example you are allowing to shape your thinking and the goals and the way of your life. There is often a natural tendency to follow people who seem to have power or wealth or a natural charisma or physical beauty. And yet multiple times in scripture, the apostle Paul says, follow me, including here in Philippians 3, follow me, a man who lost his career and gave up his opportunities for wealth, suffered in his health. And I'm writing to you now from prison, follow me, he says. So I want us to think a little more deeply about who Christ followers should be imitating. Sounds really good, Matthew. I think this is a very important area of Christian living. So what exactly does Philippians 3 teach us about this? Well, let's start at Philippians 3, 17, down to verse 20, which says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, I heard that passage use the word imitate, an example, and just like you were saying, he's contrasting two types of examples. He said something like, keep your eyes on people who live like us, because there are some bad boys prancing around out there that will lead you down a path of destruction. Good paraphrase, and yes, the Holy Spirit gives us in Philippians chapter 2, 3, a, a group of examples, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Paul, who themselves are following the preeminent example of Christ. Remember, chapter 2 gives us one of the most beautiful Christological paragraphs in Scripture that just makes us worship God. Though Christ Jesus was in the form of God, he took the form of a servant, a servant. He humbled himself. He obeyed God all the way to death, total surrender to the will of God, and not only death, Paul writes, but death on a cross. Yeah, there's something more being implied there, right, when he keys in on the cross, because I notice that these bad guys you read about in chapter 3 are called enemies of the cross. 
Definitely, but you're getting a little bit ahead of me there, Smarty Pants, so hold on, and let me give you three marks of a mentor that I see in Philippians 3, three characteristics of a good Christian mentor, traits you want to look for in a life example to imitate. All right, shoot them off to me. Number one, their confidence and boast is in Jesus Christ and not in themselves. Now, in Philippians 3, we get this particularly back at verse 3, where it says, We glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. A good mentor, somebody you want to look up to and imitate, they have their confidence and boast in Jesus Christ and not in themselves, and they want you to do the same. The Philippian church faced multiple challenges. There was persecution from adversaries to the gospel in their culture. Uh, There's the well-known problem in in that letter of disunity stemming from rivalries and self-centeredness in the church. But a third threat was from what we sometimes call Judaizers. These were people promoting a legalistic, law-keeping, fleshly, carnal, self-promoting religion. People like that tend to take pride in external displays of their religious fervor. They tend to measure their spiritual success and yours by how well you can tick off the more outwardly visible aspects of faith. And uh, they've got humanly devised standards of righteousness. And that appeals to them because they can be evaluated by the flesh. And it's in the flesh that they boast. So these guys that, that we're talking about here, they're not just, you know, neutral people that maybe you won't get a lot of help from, but they're actually dangerous, right? Yeah, they are dangerous for, for two reasons. They they reproduce that same mindset in new or younger believers who are looking to them. And in other words, they create a culture of religious law-keeping more than a deep spiritual vitality in faith. Number two, they tend to create disciples of themselves instead of disciples of Christ. Watch out for people like that. Now, some may do it innocently. They They may actually have many other good traits, but but there is almost a a narcissistic type mentality so that what they are looking for in you is someone who will bear the same trademarks as them. Someone they can hold up before others and say, see, look what I have produced. In other words, disciples become a means of building themselves up. They are pharisaical. Now, in all honesty, I think we all need to be careful about pharisaical pride and, and that sort of thinking creeping into our own hearts. Paul knew that thinking because Paul used to be a real deal Pharisee. He knew all about that way of thinking. And he realized it was all for the dunghill, the garbage dump, the sewer. What he wanted to see is people develop in their inner man, in their life with Christ. A good mentor is humble-minded. They aren't intimidated when you talk about the strengths of other Christians because they want you to learn from others too. It's not all about them. They aren't idolizing human accolades and positions of power that appeal to the flesh. They are worshiping God by the Spirit. They aren't telling you what a good mentor they are. There's a red flag for you. They aren't telling you what a good mentor they are. They're telling you what a good Savior the Lord Jesus is. When I say these things, Mike, I can't help but think of one of the mentors in my own life who has since gone home to heaven. He was in love with Christ, and he wanted the same for the rest of us. He was not concerned with getting more airtime to cement his place in our lives, but he would use what was given to enlarge the place of Christ in our lives. His impact was massive, actually, but he, didn't, he never talked about that. I don't, I don't even know if he believed that. His boast was not in himself, but in Christ. He was 
a good mentor. So mark number one of a good mentor in Philippians 3, their confidence and boast is in Jesus Christ and not in themselves. Well, Matthew, as you described that mentor you had, uh, I can't help but want to be more like him. And sadly, when you mentioned the pharisaical approach, um, saw some things inside that that are there too and just need to keep daily repenting from and, and steering away from. Um, and Matthew, you used this phrase a moment ago. You said that, that a good mentor is humble-minded. And, and that humility, that humble-mindedness carries through all of Philippians 2 to 3 because this is about how Paul himself is following the humble-minded example of Christ. Exactly, exactly. It, it is a stunningly beautiful aspect of Christ's character, that humility. Though perfect, he was humble. And as for Paul, as great as he was in following Christ, he knew he wasn't perfect. So as he develops his Christ-like example in chapter 3, he's also careful to acknowledge something else. So here's a second trait I see in Paul. A second mark of a mentor in Philippians 3 is they themselves are still pursuing spiritual growth. I'm looking now at verses 10 to 14 in Philippians 3, where Paul talks openly about his own spiritual aspirations. He wants to know Christ better. He wants to be conformed to Christ's death and be more Christ-like in his character today. And then he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. I'm not there yet, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's clear that he's not there yet, but he says, I press on towards the goal. So our second mark of a mentor, a good mentor knows that they haven't arrived at the finish line yet. They themselves are still pursuing spiritual growth. The very fact that they are still pursuing spiritual growth means they know there is room for improvement in their own life. There is an honesty in the humble-minded mentor that is precious. When we know there are people looking to us. There's a fleshly tendency to not want to admit any weakness. We don't want to disappoint them, we're thinking. And we're a good example because we're so strong. But I've seen how that backfires. When we're made to think that our leaders never mess up, that they're basically 99.94% there in Christ-likeness already, that they don't struggle like I struggle, the consequences can be crushing, discouraging, growth-hindering. If your mentor never admits any weakness, then you are likely going to struggle with some confusion, and doubts, and guilt. Why? He never struggles with that temptation? Man, what's wrong with me? Why, why did I say that to him? She's never had that challenge with her kids? What am I doing wrong then? What, they never missed a morning Bible reading? Is there any hope for me? Hey, the fact is, the more you get to know someone, the more aware you will be of their faults. Don't think that your mentor is perfect. That's unhealthy too. Uh, if you don't know of any faults, it's probably just because you don't know them very well. But do they know their faults? Do they know that there are areas of their life they need to work on in their own pursuit of Christ-likeness? Or do they think they've already secured a prime place of real estate uh, with Christ reigning in his kingdom? Now, let me balance that with one point. I don't mean to say that we want mentors who take a casual approach to sin. I'm, I'm not saying that someone should be like, oh, sure, we all struggle with it. That's no big deal. We're all a bunch of spiritual losers anyway. Don't worry about it. I'm not saying that. Scripture doesn't say that. But I'm just saying they're honest. They know that you and they are in this struggle together, but they are struggling. And the purpose of the struggle is to keep growing in their life with Christ. 
They have a passion for Christ-likeness because they know that's the real objective. And they're going to challenge you sometimes too because they want to see Christ formed in you, Galatians 4.19. Yeah, I think your your very first point guides us in that. Um, a good mentor has their confidence and boast in Jesus Christ and therefore um, has to, mentorship, Christian mentorship is actually leading others to a greater reliance on Christ. And therefore, if they're never uh, sharing or, or betraying the fact that they themselves need the Lord in their daily struggles, then maybe they're not a good mentor. So yeah, I think that fits really well with your points. Number one, good mentor has good confidence and boast in Christ. Number two, they themselves are still pursuing spiritual growth. They're not perfect yet. But I, I keyed in on the mention of the cross a few minutes ago, and you told me I was getting ahead of you. But now you're running out of time. So is that number three, or did you just forget your outline? It is Mark number three. Thank you. And this comes from our initial reading in verses 17, 18, when Paul said, imitate people like us and not those who are enemies of the cross. Those enemies of the cross are obviously bad mentors. So Mark number three of a good mentor, their lifestyle is shaped by the cross. So you're right. Philippians 2 emphasized Christ not only obeyed God all the way to death, but even death on a cross. Now, at the end of Philippians 2, 3, these two chapters that fit so tightly together, that's how Philippians is structured. One and four are similar. Two, three are similar. And at the end of chapter three, he warns us of people who are not merely enemies of Christ, but enemies of the cross. The good mentor, on the other hand, is one whose life is shaped by the cross. When you look at chapter two, three of Philippians, what you see is cruciform Christianity a way of living that is cross-shaped, a life shaped by the cross. The cross represents self-surrender or self-denial. That's what the Lord Jesus said, Luke, Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross is self-denial and self-surrender. These bad boys in Philippians 3, 18, their God is their belly. That is self-satisfaction. Self-pleasing comforts captivate their hearts, their goals, their priorities, their passions are earthly. But when we look at the life of Paul, it's crystal clear his goals and priorities and passions were heavenly. Why? Because, Galatians 6, 14, his boast was in the cross of Christ by which the world was crucified to him and he to the world. A good mentor allows their life to be shaped by the cross. The principle of self-denial is clear in their life because like Christ, they are laying down their life for others. Brothers and sisters, do you know anyone like Timothy, chapter 2, who is genuinely concerned for the welfare of others? Everyone else seeks their own interest, not the interest of Jesus Christ, but not Timothy. He's an example. Look for mentors like that. Do you know anyone like Epaphroditus? His concern was for others. He risked his life to see others' service enhanced, to see the work of Christ furthered. He's an example. Look for mentors like that. Do you know anyone like Tabitha, aka Dorcas, who was full of good works, and when she died, the widows mourned her loss because of all the things she had made for them and others? She's an example. Look for mentors like that. Beloved, learn from people whose mind is shaped by Christ so that they are actively seeking the good of others. They put themselves out for others. They sacrifice their time for others. They include others. They deny themselves and are surrendered to God for the blessing of others. 
don't get sucked into that trap of thinking that your Christianity is is just okay being like a side dish at the table of self-satisfaction. No. Instead, think about the cross and look for those who are being controlled by it. The love of Christ controls us, 2 Corinthians 5.14. So people like what I'm describing today, these good mentors, they aren't to be idolized, but their example of life and following Christ is one to follow. We aren't worshiping them. We are learning from them how to worship and serve God. Look for people that have those marks. Get to know them. Spend time with them. Learn from them. Imitate their example of devotion to Christ. Three marks of a good mentor from Philippians 3. Their confidence and boast is in Jesus Christ, not in themselves. They themselves are still pursuing spiritual growth and increased likeness to Christ and their life is shaped by the cross. These are great traits to look for, Matthew. Thank you very much for this. This is such a relevant subject. And you didn't know I was gonna say this, and I know it might embarrass you, but when did that ever stop me? Um, as you've gone through this, I, I just can't help but think that that you have done this in part to me and um, have mentored me, and yet, and yet you and I have never actually sat down and I've said, Matthew, can you be my mentor? Or, or you've never looked at me and said, Mike, I wanna mentor you. And, and yeah, I think this is a, a practical question that comes up, Matthew. People, when they hear about mentoring, they say, well, how, how do I get a mentor? How can I be a mentor? And I, I just want to point out, maybe you want to chip in on this too, but Paul says there in your verse, um, keep your eyes on those who walk according to a certain way. And, and so I think part of it is just, is just having sort of a highlighter. And when we, when we find a person, a Christian that fits the profile of Philippians 3, we just put a big highlighter on them and say, that's someone I, I want to follow. And, um, and I, I think also it happens just by Christians being this kind of person. For instance, if, uh, if, if you were growing in, in your humility and in your care for others, it was out of that following of Christ that, that you reached out to me and, and helped me and encouraged me. And, and so I think that's part of it too, is we, we don't need necessarily to formalize it and say, hey, so-and-so, can you be my mentor? But, but rather, um, we're just looking for people who are already doing this and, and wanting to imitate them, and then wanting to extend that same Christ-like cross-shaped service and love to those who maybe aren't quite as far along as we are. Yeah, that is well put. I, I think of the uh, key mentors in my life, and none of them actually came to me and said that they wanted to be that big influence on my life, but it developed implicitly. I I'd, looked to them. I mean, like you pointed out there in chapter three, it puts the emphasis on the mentee, if that's a word, looking for the the mentor. And then, uh, I mean, when you identify that in people, you know, you, you can try to spend time with them. And likely if they have these Christ-like characters, they're going to be open to uh, your communications with them and they'd be happy to be a further help to you. Uh, Mike, I'd like you to set your targets higher than what you've seen in me, but it all of us know it's a it's a privilege. We've learned from others and we want to help others too. And that's how it should work. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to add one more note, at the same time, it is okay to to ask for some sort of relationship like this. There's a sister uh, that we love and in our assembly and she's just asked my wife, you know, can we meet up on online once a week and just talk and pray together a little bit? And maybe no one used the word, the M word, but um, that's basically a mentorship relationship. So wonderful to see this, wonderful to have this uh, topic address Matthew so well. And now just uh, addressing our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please 
uh, subscribe to the podcast, you can head over to practicologypodcast.com and uh, get all the info for doing that there. Thanks for listening and uh, have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.